Hi, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Featuring Podcast. I'm Will Faulkner. I'm joined by my co-host today, Tom Dighton. Dogger, how are you? Very well, Fork. How are you? Going well, thanks, Dites. We'll dive straight into it. The Victoria cricket team, they released their state contracts. Going to do a little bit of an analysis. In fact, the whole show is going to be an analysis about their squad. We won't go through every player, but just the ones we think probably relevant to touch on. As I said, like always, try and give you guys a bit of an insight as to how we feel about things, how their setup's Moving forward into the 2023-24 season, Dites will start off with the Cricket Australia contracted players. So there's four of them at Victoria this season. So Victoria all up have 24 players under their contract umbrella. Each state is permitted to have 24 because of these four Cricket Australia contracted players. Scobo, Scott Boland, he's the first of the four. No real shock that he got a Cricket Australia contract. I think he'll play a pretty big part in the Ashes. Do you see him squeezing into Australia's side in England this winter? Yeah, I think so. I reckon that he can rotate through depending on the fitness of the rest of the others, but I think he's he'll be suited to the conditions, really. I'm really excited to see how he goes with the Duke ball in his hand as well. I don't know how much counter cricket he's played, if any, before, actually. I can't remember him playing any at all, but he might have. He might have played a couple of games two years ago. I don't actually know, to be honest. That'll be very interesting. Can you remember, was he over there for the 2019 Ashes Tour? Do you remember when they had 22 players they brought across, or 25 players they brought across and played like an Australia versus an Australia A game? Yes. I don't recall him being a part of that. Yeah. Interesting to see how he goes with the Duke ball in his hands. I would imagine he'd use it quite well. Marcus Harris, he's the second player. So he originally had a Cricket Australia contract, lost it last summer, and now has gained it back, which is great. We haven't seen any of him in Australia colours for a long time, but he's been doing really well at domestic level for Victoria. I think he's essentially competing with Cam Bancroft for the next opening spot. Do you see him ahead of Bancroft at the moment? I think so. They've both had really good seasons domestically. Bancroft probably had a slightly better end to the season, so that might hold him in good stead. But Harry makes runs at county level. And has been doing. Haven't quite seen Bancroft's scores recently, but I think I I would go Harry over Bancroft for obvious reasons. Uh, loyal listener of the show, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he's tuning in, thinking, F- "I'm glad that Fulton died to prove me." <laughs> no, I think he's probably. I I'd put him just ahead of Bancroft. Interested to see what role Harry plays in England as well this summer, whether they go with him or David Warner for the World Test Championship that's coming up. It's actually approaching very quickly, actually. I think it's the back end of this month. But as I said, not sure who will take the throne between him and Warner. Now moving on to Glenn Maxwell. So I'm not sure how much Victoria will see of him indefinitely, really. He really hasn't made many appearances for Victoria. His test cricketing career, where do you see that? It's really hard when he doesn't play much Red Bull. As soon as he came back, he fractured his wrist. I find it really hard to sort of gauge where he's at Red Bull. Clearly a superstar white ball player, but Red Bull, I'm, I'm so unsure. It is interesting. I think the only way I can really see him at this point in his career, having progressed this far, is probably on a tour on the subcontinent. They seem to have been pretty keen to have picked him if he was fit and available for the India tour, but I think particularly the back half when they're a little bit light on players. I think they almost considered flying him over. But yeah, interesting to see how much he plays for Victoria. It's not often, but it's always good to see him in the in the blue kit. Todd Murphy, friend of the show, will be a friend of the show very soon, I'm hearing. So I had that come across my desk the other day, but really excited for him to get his first Cricket Australia contract. Thoroughly deserved it. Couldn't have had a better tour of India, I don't think, if he tried. Dites, your take? Ah, oh, superstar is Todd Murphy. We love him. He's a loyal Saints player, just a kid from Echukamoama, and um, it's great to see a story like that. I'm stoked for him. 
very humble as well so i'm keen to hear what he has to say in the coming weeks we should also just preface darts we we both play for st kilda cricket club so there there might be a couple of people thinking geez you guys really rate harry and murph and hanscom and maddinson and merlo etc but yeah we are st kilda people so we probably see a little bit more of them than what we do other players but they're the four cricket australia contracted players Moving on to the guys who are probably in and around the Australian scene but haven't quite got one. Pete is the most notable. Had a decent tour of India. Pete Hanscom. A great season for Victoria. Again, particularly his first half of the season before the Big Bash kicked in. I'll put an open question. Where do you think he can improve his game to see himself play for Australia again? I think coming off the Indian tour is pretty harsh to sort of leave him out of contracts, to be honest. Because in my eyes, he was one of the most valuable bats we had. Obviously, Uzi dominated... I think Trav probably Trav Head probably scored a few more than him, but Pete was up for the fight, which was awesome. In the UK, yeah, like he's clearly struggled, but at county level, he's made a few runs to start the season off, which is awesome. So I, I really hope he can find his way back into that Australian side over over in England and everywhere else, really. Yeah, made a fighting 50 in the words of the Leicestershire Cricket Club social media admin the other day. Um, So he's he's digging in um, for Leicestershire over there in England. I think the reason he didn't get a Cricket Australia centre contract, I think is mainly just the fact that they don't have any subcontinental test tours coming up in the next 12 months. I don't think he's in their white ball picture at the moment. So I don't think it's a reflection of where the selectors or the admin people at Cricket Australia see him as a player. I just don't think that they're going to hand out a 12-month contract when it's probably more unlikely than likely for him to play in the Australian summer this year. They've obviously got the Ashes coming up in England, probably where his room for improvement is as a bat, um, and also the World Cup in India in September, October. So I don't think he'll play a part in that as well. But yeah, definitely a relevant player when it comes to the Australian cricketing scene, and I'm sure we'll, um, well, I hope we do see him in those colours soon. Nick Madison, Dites, what's he got for us? Oh, Matto, one of my favourite players in the scene. He played couple of tests against South Africa got exposed. He was a bit young back then, but he had a season when he first came to Victoria that was a season that not many people can produce. Unfortunately, did his ACL mid-season, or was it early season this year? I think towards the early end of the season. Early, early end of the season, which is a shame, but he'll be back. He works, works hard on himself, so he'll be back, and I'm sure he'll be back to his form in no time. Absolutely. Wishing him all the best and hopefully he can get out there soon. John O'Merlo, another one of the Saints boys, dies. Now, he dominated at grade level towards the back end of the season. Didn't play Victoria for Victoria after Christmas, I don't think. No. One of the all-time blokes. Love him here at the um, featuring. Sure, we'll see a lot of him around soon. He's just gone over to England to play. How have you seen his last six months, Dites? Obviously, Will Sutherland in the team as an all-rounder team balance might come come into it when you're playing both of them and the team might be a little bit harder than having the balance of other players but he's clearly dominating at grade level he's got the talent to continue his push at domestic level how have you seen it yeah he took some time off to to sort himself out which was the best thing he could have done because he came back and dominated at grade level but there's a difference between dominating at grade level and looking like a professional player dominating mm. at grade level and he's he looks so far above it he went Two hundreds in a row, then he got run out on ninety nine, coming back for a third. He's, I think, he's going to be excelling through, hopefully through the the standards in the next couple of years. I don't know how far off the international setup he is, but you never know if he's a season anything like Matt Short. He could, uh, he could find himself up there pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Wilpakovsky, the next one. 
really didn't see much of him the last 12 months for reasons, as I'm sure a lot of people know, just been taking time away from the game. I think a couple of concussions in there as well, which is completely understandable. Darts, I think it's pretty clear, in my opinion anyway, if he is fit and firing, he's in the Australian team without a doubt. I think he's a perfect replacement up top. Do you see him as a future opener for Australia or a little bit more down the order? What's your take? It's getting to the point where he's a bit sort of like you never really know. You can't really bank on him doing anything because obviously he's had these concussions and a lot of uh, mental issues, which is such a shame because he was clearly at the time the the play the player that was going to um, slot right in there. But I think it's really hard to bank on somebody when they don't even know if they're going to be playing at all. So, but it's I, I hope he comes back because if he does and if he puts together a, a period of time where he's playing, then he's he will he will be. He yep. will be that player. Absolutely. Basically, if he's fit and firing, he's in the team. Yes. Matt Short. Now, obviously, hasn't played any cricket for Australia yet, but had one of the all-time Big Bash seasons, Dites. Not far off the T20 setup for Australia? Can't be far off. I don't think there's many players that play in the IPL internationally that don't have an international game, and he's one of them. It's a great point. So uh, his end to the season was absurd. A couple of hundreds in the Big Bash, hundred, couple of hundreds in Shield, and even maybe a few scores in the one-day side as well, he'll be finding his way into that team very quickly. Off the top of the dome, I think he made his first domestic T20 100, one-day 100, and Sheffield Shield 100 all in the same season this season. So he's done it across all three formats. Has evolutionised his game across three formats. He's, his attacking nature seems to have given him quite the shot up the ranks in terms of one day cricket and domestic cricket as well so i think we'll probably see him if we see him in australian colors it'll be in the t20 setup first but i am i'm optimistic with him i reckon he's got a role to play in a few other forms of cricket as well it was probably the last one we'll touch on diets peter siddle fairy tale finish he's moved from tasmania to victoria on a two-year contract do you think it's the right move to bring someone like siddle obviously a legend of australian fast bowling is it the right move to potentially stunt the growth of a former contracted player or someone who's up and coming to sort of give him the fairy tale finish at the age of 39? I think he's 40 years of age, one month into his second year of his contract. So he's got the longevity of a guy like Anderson, which is, you know, unheralded. You don't see that happen these days. But is it the right move from Cricket Victoria? I don't really understand it. I mean, he's, he's a, clearly a competitor, so he'll, he'll have that drive to play well and do well. But... He might have been injured last year, but he also didn't play all the games for the strikers that he could have. I know he definitely didn't play in a few games because he wasn't picked. So in terms of form and how he's doing, does he make the side? Probably not in my eyes. Interesting. But so he's there clearly just for coaching coaching reasons or maybe a top-up as well. Yeah, he's a superstar of the game. I, I, I don't really understand the move. But again, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Yeah, so this is where I find it interesting. Is If he's doing it in a coaching capacity, I think it makes complete sense. He's someone that you want mentoring young fast bowlers. But for him to take up a contract spot is a different thing. You can have him in a coaching... I would think Victoria could have him in a coaching role. If he's still in their best team, like absolutely play him. But you, you can play guys that aren't contracted. But taking the spot of a you know another fast bowler who's probably got 15 years more on his side... like. I don't know, just playing devil's advocate, but I, I do find it an interesting move, especially two years. Crazy, but I sort of hope he proves me wrong, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. It is, and I can't preface this enough. It's amazing seeing someone like Siddle in his prime, like still playing this late. Love Peter Siddle. I just think from an 
administrative point of view, there are a couple of questions that would hang over it. Certainly not him as an individual, but just maybe the admin side. That's all. Now moving into the rookie upgrade. So these are, these four players have been on rookie contracts last season, 2022-23. They've been upgraded to a full contract. So a nice little payday for a couple of these guys as well coming up. Who's the first one of the rookie starts you wanted to talk about? Ash Chandra Singer was the first one. He had sort of burst on, not really burst on the scene, but came onto the scene with 100 off a million balls, which is incredible. It's a feat that a lot of people sort of slandered him for it. They lost the game, I believe. I think they drew it. Or drew the game. Yeah. And he, he made, I think it was 109 off 300 and... Trillion. Trillion. So, yeah, whatever it was, it was a lot. But it's not easy to stay out. Uh, on a cricket field batting for over a day. In fact, I don't know many people have done it apart from Cook and maybe even Greg Shippard back in the day. But he's he's a good player and um, really deserved the, the upgrade and it's good to see him get it. Yeah, temperament second to none. I would definitely add that. But in terms of his shot array, probably a couple more shots. You know, everyone's nervous at the start of their innings. I think the, the one innings that comes to mind is his final against WA. I believe he scored roughly two runs off 61 balls. So when you're facing that many balls to start off with, it's very easy for me sitting in this chair, Dice, to say this is someone who is not playing very high-level cricket at the moment. <laughs> but getting to those quick, not quick starts, but getting away off your first 30 balls. Everyone talks about your first 30 balls. When it starts to go past 30 into 40, 50, 60, it can hurt the batting order. You sort of go one step forward, two steps back whenever you get out for a low score like he did in the, in the final. So I think he's, he's technically very, very sound, has the temperament, but I'm sure there are coaches saying, you know, maybe add a couple more shots to your game. Help you get away a little bit easier. Campbell Kellaway, Melbourne Cricket Club, young gun. I've been seriously impressed with him. I think you would know more about him on the scene than what I would, but the last couple of years, he's been exceptional. Technically very, very sound as well, in my opinion. How do you see, do you see him as a walk-up starter in Victoria's playing 11 next season? Well, depends which playing eleven you look at. If you're full strength, probably not. It'd be very hard for him to make that with the CA contracted players. So we're talking Harris, Maxwell, Hanscom, Madness, and all these guys available. I'd be shocked if he makes that side. Having said that, ask me in three, four years' time, and he's probably right at the top of that. But Campbell's a bloke who I I remember. I was he went to the same school as me, and I was in year twelve, and he came to training as a bowler a bowler that could sort of bat and his improvement has been incredible. I remember Ben Vay, who's the coach of MCC, Melbourne Cricket Club, two years ago when Campbell sort of came on the scene as a first grade player, he said, this kid's going to be playing in the blue colours very, very soon. And sure enough, the year after, got a contract. He went to the 19 World Cup. Yeah, he's, he'll be a good player. I really like him. He's a very hard worker as well. Yeah, it looks great to watch. As I said, you, you certainly see more of him than what I have, but I think he'll be playing in Australian colours uh, if we're going to go out on a limb. Sammy Elliott, your man, he's been upgraded, played one one-day game and two first-class matches for four wickets for Victoria this season. Can bat a bit as well as we saw on his debut game, 70 or 80, I think he made dights. How have you seen his progression from when he first got onto the list to now being upgraded from a rookie position? He's grown up a fair bit in terms of his bowling I wouldn't put him down as a bat. He'd hate me saying that. But he can hold a stick. He can hold a stick, but he thinks he's Don Bradman. Oh. It's quite funny. But no, his bowling's his bowling's turning into first like proper first class bowling, which is awesome to see. Having grown up playing against him at school level, he's a completely different bowler to what he was then, which is as you'd expect, but it's awesome to see. 
from the very few pieces of vision as well I've seen of him bowling at Premier Cricket this year, he looks like he's become one of those players who's a class above the batsman he's bowling too. So that's always a good sign of your progression. Last of the rookie upgrades, Fergus O'Neill, another one from Melbourne Cricket Club. 27 wickets at 25 for Victoria this season. I, again, look, haven't seen much of him, but from what I first saw of him to what I've seen now, I've actually been quite surprised and in a good way. Seems to just put it on the same spot, ball in, ball out, and just work batsman over, which is my favourite kind of pace bowler. Not very erratic. From the outside, looks like he knows his game very well, and when he's implementing it correctly, he's getting success. Yeah, he's um, he's an interesting one, Ferg. I probably was playing third grade three years ago against him, and to see him rise up the ranks the way he's done is incredible. He's averaging 25, which I think a bowler like him, he's not the quickest bowler, so if he gets it wrong, it can go wrong, but... Having said that, he took 27 wickets and, as you said, he knows his game so well. So when he hits the spot, which is probably more times than not, he's such a hard bowler to get away or you know, even face. So it's awesome to see him get an upgrade and he is one of the one of the good men as well. He's a ripper. Awesome. Can stick as well, I believe. Can stick, yeah. Who, 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 who sticks better, Sammy Ellett or Ferg? Oh, well, I'll, I'd say Ferg. <laughs> I'll say Ferg legitimately, but, you know, Sammy is a political sort of get that one. I'll take Sammy just to uh, even out the points, I reckon. But very good. Uh, we'll move on to the first domestic contracts for Victoria. So these guys have never had a domestic contract. A few of them have played high-level cricket. One's played Big Bash. One played for Australia under-19s. Clearly very, very good players. Two quicks and a bat. Matt Fodier took the absolute piss. Friend of the featuring Forks brand. 49 wickets at 14.47 last season for Ringwood. Plenty of experience at 28 years old, having played for Australia 19. So he's played high-level cricket before against some of the best. I don't really have much else to add, Dites. His stats speak for themselves. And I just think it's so impressive for a 28-year-old to get their first contract when they are a pace bowler. It's easy as said as a bat, easy as said as a spinner, but as a pace bowler, that's seriously good. 49 wickets at 14 is unheard of at big Premier level, especially over the last few few years. I haven't seen anything like it. I assume the next best was it was Kieran Elliott at just 40-odd. Took 45. I'm not sure of his average, but yeah, it took 45. 45, which is crazy as well. And then probably below that might even be Tom O'Donnell at 32. So that shows you where those two were. But Fodia getting one is completely deserved and really happy for him yeah one of the great men as well fought so you might be seeing him quite soon with the featuring forks brand next one you as you just touched on tom o'donnell how many wickets did he take last season at prem level 32 wickets at 16.5 he made a debut last year in white ball which was great to see i think he was also a top-up player for the stars at one point okay yeah possibly it vaguely rings a bell yeah i think i'm not sure what point he got that but i'm pretty sure he did have met him once or twice, very nice guy and works hard, good bowler. I've heard a lot about facing him, he's very difficult to face, left armour, but yeah, great to see him get a contract. Yeah, has run rings down at Windy Hill, Essendon the last few years, so good to see a couple of the older guys get some reward dice. He's probably sitting around, what, 26, 27 years old? Yeah, so, I think so, yeah. Vic really seems to be going with the experience this season. You had Fott, O'Donnell and obviously Siddle in that rank as well. Um, they had the seniority in... Dutchy Holland, which we'll talk about later, who's no longer with Victoria. But yes, seems to be going for the real experienced pace attack. And I'm actually thinking about it now, really interested to see what happens. Last of the domestic contract starts. Tom Rogers, a superstar of Premier Cricket. He went at 54.75, scoring 657 runs. Got his chance, I think, two years ago in the, for the Stars. 
Yes, made his debut out at City Power Centre when Melbourne Stars were depleted with COVID, yeah. COVID, the COVID season. And then I think he played a few games last year where he sort of you know made, made himself known around the ranks. But he's been knocking on the door for for years and he's always been, he was always a gun junior. So, no, good to see him get a contract. Deserved it. Was definitely the next cab off the rank. Ringwood Career Club would be very happy with their output. Oh, they'd be happy and sad. Uh, blessing and a curse. Oh, I don't know. They might possibly be saying goodbye to these guys for a little bit of uh, next season. I'm not sure. I'd probably have them for the start of the season, but if they keep playing the way they are at Premier Cricket level, it'll be very quickly they'll be shooting into contention. Quickly, um, these guys, can you see any of Fodia O'Donnell or Rogers playing more Big Bash? Rogers, we know, played Big Bash. I know that's not directly linked to Victoria, but do these guys have a T20 side for them as well? Yeah, so quite similar to Tom O'Donnell in that Stars lineup. I think his name was Luke Wood last year. He was a left-arm pace bowler, medium pace. I'm not sure how quick he bowled, but he was that, that type that Tom O'Donnell is. And if he doesn't come back and they don't pick up anyone specifically like them, O'Donnell could find himself fitting into there. Rogers obviously will be around there as well. Fodio will be interesting if he actually gets a gets a chance. He probably should. If he gets a chance for Victoria, he definitely should get a chance for a big bash side. So that'll be interesting to see. Awesome. That's the three domestic contracts. Handed out to the first time for these players. Now onto the rookies diet. So these are probably the players I'm not as familiar with, but a couple of real young guns in here. Um starting off with Liam Blackford, he plays down at Geelong. So I'll run you through his stats. He made 184 runs at 20 for Geelong in first grade. So nothing outstanding. He's a keeper, we will say that. He's a keeper. So his main role probably isn't to, you know, make hundreds and fifties. Having said that, made a second 11, 97 and 106 for Australia under 19s against England's under 19s. So he might weirdly be a case of one of those players who actually performs to a better standard of cricket. Potentially. Yeah, he's had, I think this year was his first full season for Geelong in the ones and... Yeah, not the season he would have wanted, but he's a he's a seriously good player. He's a keeper who they've been sort of nursing through the ranks. They've been looking at him for a while, I know that for a fact. And he got his chance at second eleven level, scoring obviously that ninety seven, but he also didn't have many failures at second eleven level. I think one score maybe below thirty. Something along those lines. Something along those lines. And then, yeah, dominated for, for Australia in the under-19, that tournament. And he'll be he'll be a good keeper, good backup for Harper, and then sort of rise through the ranks there. Dylan Brasher from Footscray, the second one to grab a rookie contract, had a very big season. Open stick, I believe, out there. Is that right? Yeah, I know he opened stick for the second 11 as well for Victoria. He made 100 against the ACT doing that. You've heard pretty good raps on him, Dites. Yeah, Brasher's a... A player that's also been knocking knocking the door down, a bit like Rogers. Yeah, would you say he's a little bit earlier on than Rogers dites in terms of progression? Yeah, definitely. He's only I think he'd be only 23, 22, 23, whereas Rogers would be twenty five, maybe, twenty four, twenty five. Having a real guessing game with ages today. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm bang on. I actually I might not be. But anyway, he's a he's a bit younger, but he's he's been in that first eleven side for a few years now. Uh, I know a lot of clubs are after him or have been after him. Because Interesting. Of, because of because of how good he is. He will be I think I think if if uh Chandra Singer doesn't perform to the level then Brasher could probably find himself in that top spot quite soon, especially if he keeps making hundreds for the second eleven and and for Footscray as well. It's a good sign of a good domestic team. There's been a lot of battle for a lot of spots between the youth the last few years. Like the spinning role between Todd Murphy, Tom O'Connell and Will Park has been one that was up for grabs for a couple of years before Murph really took that, took his chances. Um, and I think this seems to be like a bit of a similar situation probably between Brasher and Chandra Singer for that 
role. Uh, Kilaway is probably a little bit ahead of those two boys um, on that front, but interesting. And last of the three rookie contracts, Darts, I, I honestly can't. I don't want to pretend like I know. I don't know a lot about Douglas Warren at all. Ha- seemed to have a pretty solid season at first grade level for Melbourne Uni. Melbourne Uni, yeah, Melbourne Uni first, yeah. 24 wickets at 24, playing the numbers game there. The one thing I do know is he played third grade only three seasons ago, so he's clearly someone in Victoria's eyes who's shot up the ranks. They seem to like the look of him. I'll be interested to see his role as a spinner. Obviously, before him, we've got Will Parker, who's on the list, uh, and Murph, who, who we'll probably see a fair bit of at domestic level this season. So he's probably third in line. That makes complete sense as a rookie, not on the full contract just yet. Have you played against him at all? Yeah, I did. In fact, I think it was 2021-22 when I played against him. So last, last se- season season yeah. before last, in that was in second grade. I was, to be honest, I was very surprised to see him, his name pop up. But they see something in him. He played a full season of first grade cricket last year. 24 wickets and maybe they've you know, been looking for a left arm off spinner. Which surprised because they did have one in in Dutchie Holland, and they clearly got rid of him, which I found quite interesting. I don't know what you think of that, but I have mixed opinions on Dutchie Holland. We'll touch on that later. We'll go through we'll go through the players that have been omitted from the squad. But yeah, look, I'm I'm all for you know an underdog rising up above it. So I, I look forward to seeing a little bit more of Douglas in the upcoming season. I know he's, it seems like he's been plucked a little bit out of thin air, but this is coming from someone who really hasn't seen much. So I, I probably don't have, I don't even have two cents to comment really. It'll just be interesting to see how they go. They're all unproven to an extent, the rookies. It's their first contract. So a lot to play out there. We'll now go through the players who don't have a Victoria contract this season. So there's a couple of reasons as to why players don't have them that were on the list last season. Aaron Finch, former Australian White ball captain, legend of white ball cricket for Australia. He's retired from state and international cricket. Wonder, do you reckon he's retired? Will he play for Geelong at all next season? I actually don't really know. I think he loves playing cricket so much that he might find himself down there or he'll find himself shopping around. Who knows? Mm, have a bit of a dip. And then Jake Fraser McGurk, he moved to South Australia. I believe he was offered a rookie contract after being a full contracted player, which I've never heard of. But I think he probably made the right decision in heading to SA where they're looking to blood youth Get more opportunity. I think he'll get a run in that SA team more weeks than not. So I think for him, definitely a good decision. Wishing him all the best. And then there were five players who were not offered a contract. Brody Couch, the first one of them. Pace bowler out at Geelong. I think he's playing in the Major League Cricket in the US yeah. this winter. Yeah. that's a That one shocked me the most, I think. Because he was one of their frontline bowlers in the white ball stuff. As yeah. well as being... A solid player for for the start. Melbourne Stars love him. Yeah, so I'd love to know the conversation around that one. Yeah, I think going back to what we were saying earlier, it looks like they're going more for experience opposed to youth. Yeah, I think Couchy's around our age, 22, 23, 24. Look, for him, maybe it's just the case of going back to Premier Cricket for a few years and then coming back. Like it's a great, it's a great case to study now, seeing guys like. Fodia and O'Donnell get contracts at 27, 28. There's no reason why he can't try and do the same thing. Bit of a redemption arc for him. Second of the non-contracted players for Victoria, Zach Evans was injured for the first half of last season, which is unfortunate. Had a very, very strong finish to the Premier Cricket season for St Kilda. Stiff? Yeah, Zach, very stiff. He hasn't played that much domestic cricket. I think 2021, 20, 22, he played a couple of games. Uh, I know he took five for the Gades, which was awesome. He, yeah, the injury this year didn't help him, but he came back and he, when he when he started getting on a roll for St Kilda, he was unstoppable. He almost got us to the final, a genuine competitor, 
a good bloke. I think he's very stiff, and I hope he finds his way back to the team or the squad because he deserves another crack. And I think he's one of their one of their best bowlers. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen enough from the end net at St Kilda Cricket Club to say yeah, I won't be facing that. And secondly, he should have a Victorian cricket contract. But very, very good player, as you said, great bloke as well. I really hope he finds himself back on the scene. He's certainly good enough. He's very versatile as well as both a red ball player and a white ball player. Moving on to the third omission. Maka Harvey died. This is a really fascinating one. Was on Victoria's list for three or four years. Was in a former Australian under-19 captain. Just couldn't quite progress at the level that Victoria wanted him to. So they've shown him the door. Right call to move him on? Right call to move him on. He, I think he's got a lot to give because he's, he is a good player. He clearly is. I think for, for Carlton, he's maybe got two hundreds under his name. One of them came in the grand final this year. He's scored two hundreds for Carlton, I believe. One of them was in the final against Melbourne in the second innings to try and get the reverse outright. Incredible knock. Hopefully that's a bit of a spur to, to get him going going forward, whether he gets picked up or not. A knock like that can can actually make make somebody's career and I, I hope for him, I hope for his sake he does get picked up by somebody, but I just I don't know where. I think the mental side of it as well is just so important. Like finishing your season on 100 can completely change your outlook on a season because up until that point, I don't know, I haven't looked game by game at his stats for Carlton, but he could have been lost, could have been nowhere. For To finish on the season on 100, especially in the grand final, I think would probably mean a fair bit to him. So hopefully that's the ignition he needs to kickstart his career somewhere else. If not, do a few rounds at grade level whether it's in Melbourne or a different state, and push elsewhere. John Holland Dykes, the fourth of the five omissions, I think is not the most surprising in my opinion, but certainly the most controversial. I know you said you were surprised by Brody Couch, which is completely fair and valid. This, I think, tops the cake for controversy of all the list changes that Victoria made this season. Tell me why. I have an interesting take on this, and it's a really hard one for me to say, because we had Todd Murphy come back for the Shield Grand Final, from India, yes. From India. And it was a question of who to pick. In my eyes, Dutchie was the one to pick. If you had to choose out of both of them, it was Dutchie. So walk me through this. I'm in, I'm very, very interested by this. Is this a ground-based selection? So the Wacker obviously plays a fair bit. They're not renowned for having turning wickets. Is that a factor in your opinion there? The ground is for sure. Yeah, the ground is. But I also just think that Dutchie, one experience... He's played so much cricket, so much professional cricket. Two, he's still, in my eyes, the best spinner in the state. It might sound ridiculous. Todd, love him to bits, but I think Dutchie at the time was the best spinner in the state. Mm -hmm. And yeah, to get rid of him is baffling. It's a really interesting take, Dice. And I think something that will back up your opinion in regards to Holland's cricketing prowess is so many people that I've spoken to would have picked him as the third spinner going to India. So you would have had Lyon. I think Murph was absolutely the right call. I think it was a great call and it's clearly paid off. Dutchie Holland is the third spinner. So they missed the the trick with Agar, then flew over Matt Kuhneman, who has a sensational debut on a raging Bunsen. And that's not to take away from his performance. It was exceptional to do that on a first day pitch. Bowled very, very well. And then Mitch Swepson never really got a look in India, which I was a little bit disappointed by because they've been touting him up as someone who has been in the system for so long, seems to be 12th man every second week. And then to have those last two in particular, Agar and Swepson, picked over Holland, I don't know if it was the selectors saying 
look, we're done with Holland. Like, you know, he's clearly at the back end of his career. We don't see a future with him. It would be a better opportunity to have guys like Swepson and Agar in and around our squad. But I think for me, the fact that they didn't pick either of those guys being Swepson or Agar, I don't know. They've been on enough tours that I don't think they get much out of being over there. I know, you know, you have injuries and people, but like we saw with Kuhnman, you can fly guys over for specific scenarios. I just would have thought Dutchie Holland would have been someone, a good senior figure to have on that tour. And it's easy for us to say in hindsight because we know the conditions over in India certainly didn't favor them. But yeah, you you would have picked Dutchie Holland on that tour? Yeah, definitely. Imagine if you'd picked Dutchie Holland and three months later, he gets dropped by Victoria. Wouldn't that have caused an uproar? Yeah, I actually wonder how much of an impact that would have had. We're speaking hypotheticals here. We'll never know. But yeah, yeah, certainly one I'm interested in. As far as I'm aware, there aren't any other states picking him up. Yeah, I doubt it. Just I think purely just to do with age, I think it's probably one. He probably wants to stay loyal to Victoria as well. Finish his career at a, a successful state. Clubs like Tasmania, who pairing him with Jared Freeman or South Australia, pairing him with Ben Menenti, it's possible. But I, I probably just don't see it. I see it the same way as you in that regard. So most controversial of the outs, last of the omissions diets, massive friend of the featuring Forks brand, Tom O'Connell. Really unfortunate to see him go. I think he was on Victoria's list for four years. So he played his first domestic game there in 2018, played really well on debut and was probably a victim of, I think John Holland came back from a tour of Pakistan, I think. Or a tour playing against Pakistan in the UAE, lost his spot, and after that back injury in his second year really, really hurt him. Unfortunate to see him go. Yeah, as as you said, a good good mate of yours. Sad to see him go. Be really interested to see what he does from here because he clearly is a talent and has been a seriously good player growing up. So I really hope he can find his way. I don't know back into the Vicks squad, SA, whatever he does. I'm sure he'll do really well at. Very, very talented sports person. He'll love me saying that he was a very, very good football junior diet alongside. I've heard this. I believe he was a state player for, uh, obviously, cricket, as we know. Was a state volleyballer as a junior. Was a state baseballer as a junior. And also a state footy player as a junior. So he's got a nice little umbrella of sports under his patio. Could he find himself looking at a football career? I know Toc would love me saying this, Dites. I would love to know how well he kicks football these days. Very, very talented footballer, played for Glenelg as a junior, had to make a decision between football and cricket, as a lot of people do at the age of 15, 16, 17. Yeah, that's all I'll say. I'd love to know how well he picks up a football these days. I'm sure he'd swing a baseball bat, bat very well, and his vo- he was also a tremendous volleyballer, but I reckon he could still kick the sharing pretty well. Very excited to see what he does next. Uh, great, great guy. Lucky to call him a friend as well. So that rounds us out, Dites, for the general analysis of the Victorian State cricketing contracted players this year. I think we've given gone into it relatively in-depth, covered most players. Didn't cover all of them, but I think most of the guys we didn't cover, they were just retaining their contract in and around the mark. So uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about them going into cricket season next summer. But where do we see Victoria setting up? for 23-24. We're not going to see all those players, guys like Scobo, possibly Murph, Harry, next summer. Do you see that list that we've just gone through as one that can win the title or is WA still too strong? WA is always going to be super strong. They have a knack for finding players who are bowlers and turning them into all-rounders and they they just always just win. They just win. They know how to win. Maybe with the loss of Sean Marsh, that might, you know, hinder their performance a little bit with the experience it's an interesting one he really didn't play that much he may have played a couple of white ball games i think i don't know if he played any red ball for them which was a shame he, sauce is one of my like all-time favorite cricketers but at the age of 40 it makes complete sense i think they have what 
maybe nine of the 11 that played in the Shield final have played cricket for Australia or some ridiculous number. And they're not just guys who have played and, you know, been spat out. They, they genuinely could all make an Australia A team. So, yeah, I think I'd probably agree with you in the sense that I think WA is probably going to be a little bit too hard to pip. But they'll be up there. They'll be up there. Any, any player in particular you're keen on seeing? Who is the player that you're most excited by? I can't wait to see what Fergo O'Neill does this year, both with the ball and, as I said earlier, with the bat. It'll be very exciting, as well as Campbell Callaway, two players who have been elevated from rookies. So those two will be really interesting to see. I also can't wait to see what Maddo does. Nick Maddinson, coming back from the injury, I love watching him bat, I love watching him perform, and I really hope he has a great season. Glad to hear. I, I tend to agree with all those names I agree with. I think it is, this is a biased comment. I'd love to see what Fott does if he gets the chance at domestic level. I'm going to quote myself about 30 minutes ago. Took the piss this season at grade level. A lot of young players on that list. I think we're all excited to see a lot. But I think in-house, we've seen what Murph can do. Merles. I'm putting it on Merles. I can't, I can't wait to see after he's refreshed, rejuvenated from his break away from the game. Took it to another level in grade cricket. But I think for us, that's probably it. I don't think we've crucified too many blokes. We've probably given a few blokes a couple of ego points. But yeah, very interested to see how Victoria go this summer. And yeah, thanks very much for listening. As always, really appreciate it. Make sure to follow the featuring podcast on Spotify if you enjoyed it. Give it a follow. That will give you notification the second that we release something on the podcast. A little episode. Get to it before everyone else does. I'm sure there'll be millions of people tuning into this episode. So you make you want to be a, a part of history and be one of the first to hear it as we talk about how good Todd Murphy is. Thanks very much for joining us, Dice. It's been a pleasure as always. I'm sure you'll all hear from us soon. I'll be seeing you very soon. Thank you very much, folks.